You know, and sometimes it's not those big gigantic betrayals, it's the death by a thousand cuts. Welcome to This Functional Life, a show for women just like you, who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, purpose. We're going to deconstruct norms, uncover your deepest desires, harness your physical and mental health, and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what you want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking complex science and making it easy to understand and integrate into daily life. Join the journey to make this chapter the best ever. Let's get thriving. Hey, everybody. I am so glad to have our next guest today. So my guest today is Dr. Debbie Silver. Dr. Debbie Silver is the CEO and founder of the PBT Institute, and PBT stands for the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. Dr. Debbie wouldn't say this because she is so very humble, but I am going to say this because it's the absolute truth. So it has been said that Dr. Debbie Silver has done for betrayal what Brene Brown did for shame. What that means to you is that her work has been transformational. Like I said, Dr. Debbie is the founder of the PBT Institute. She's a holistic psychologist, a health mindset and personal development expert, the author of Trust Again, and is a two-time number one international best-selling author of The Unshakable Woman and From Hardened to Healed, The Effortless Path to Release Resistance, Get Unstuck, and Create a Life You Love. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changed how long it takes to heal. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, and two times on TEDx and more, she's an award-winning speaker, coach, dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals, as well as remove other blocks, preventing them from the health, work, relationship, confidence, and happiness that they most want. So please, please join me in welcoming Dr. Debbie. Dr. Debbie, I am so, so excited to have this conversation with you because I got to know you over the last, I guess, year and a half. And I just think everything that you've done is so profound. You've actually changed an entire industry, really, and that you have so much to give, particularly women who might be in the season of life, but really women, men, teenagers, and everything else. So I want you to tell me about betrayal why it hurts, what does it impact, what does it create? Absolutely. And thank you for that. And first of all, uh, it's actually my 30th year in business and you don't study something like betrayal unless you have to. You know, it's not like, oh, betrayal is a great topic. Let me study it. No. So I started in health and then mindset and then personal development. And then I just, so everybody understands the context here, uh, I had a really painful betrayal from my family, thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. And then it happened a few years again, this time my husband. So got him out of the house, looked at the two experiences. And I thought, okay, well, what's similar to these two? Of course me, but what else? And I realized, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my own needs seriously. And, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Here I was four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I'm like, that's it going back for a PhD, which you completely understand. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. While I was there, I did a study I study betrayal, what holds us back, what helps us heal, and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. 
That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life. Now to answer your question, why does betrayal hurt? One of the reasons is because it feels so intentional. So we take it so personally. And I define betrayal as it's the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. Every relationship has them. And the way it works is the closer we are, the more dependent we are, the deeper the betrayal. So take a child who's completely dependent on their parent. That parent does something awful. That's going to have a different impact than, let's say, your best friend sharing your secret. Still a betrayal, different level of cleanup. Exactly. You know, I think it's interesting because I I read your first book and everybody, I'm just going to do a shameless plug for Debbie. It's called Trust Again and Hardened to Healed, because I think a lot of people think that, yes, yes. I was just telling Debbie earlier, I was like, ah, I can't find my copy. And it's because my husband has it. (laughs) But but I think a lot of people might, might look at that and say, oh gosh, you know, I haven't had a betrayal from maybe a partner, a spouse or other person I can think of directly, but we have all been through betrayal. You know, and sometimes it's not those big gigantic betrayals. It's the death by a thousand cuts. It's the someone is lying, you know, and over time you catch them over time, you know, continuously, or we can feel betrayed by our bodies. And this is something that probably you're the patients and clients experience. You're doing everything right. Why do you get sick? And then there's self-betrayal. You know, something or someone is not in your best interest. You keep going back for more. It's huge. You and I had a very interesting personal conversation about that because you know, I've experienced personal betrayal in relationships and definitely the body, <laughs> definitely the mm-hmm. body. And I think for me, when I was talking to you, it was thinking through those childhood things that you don't really think about. You know, I grew up and I would say probably a lot of people in our age group grew up where if you got in trouble, I got spanked, you know, and even something so simple as kind of corporal punishment, which was kind of the rule of thumb back then in a small child is as a feeling of betrayal. And that makes you then kind of harden yourself to what you're doing and how you're doing it. You start figuring out how to be different in the world. I write a lot about that in From Hardened to Healed. It doesn't even have to be something that really was hateful, harmful, hurtful. It's the meaning we gave it. Like something as simple as this, you could have had some earth shattering news to share with your mom. And she was, you know, in the kitchen, let's say on the phone and she's on the phone. She goes, shh. She shushes you. You could have made that to me at that very moment. I don't matter. And think about it. Once we feel that with some emotion, we keep that thought going. It builds up some steam. Our mind always wants to prove us right. And so now we're living an entire life until we check into this and change it of I don't matter. And you have circumstances and situations and relationships to prove that. It could have been from something that simple. I think your work is really, really profound. And I think everybody should go through the experience of what you offer, because I think when you're able to do that and recognize where you can heal from that, it's transformative in sort of all areas of your life. Let's talk about your three discoveries, because I think that's important for people to know, because like I said, it's paradigm changing in the psychology world. I mean, this was just such a shocker. Honestly, I just was looking to heal. I was not looking for anything other than I remember saying to myself, If I can heal from this, I'm taking everybody with me. That was the only thought I had. And just to get through my day and be there for my kids. So originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, post-traumatic growth is if you can imagine kind of an upside of trauma, how that trauma, whatever it is, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever, leaves you with a new perspective, awareness, insight you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one. I'd been through disease. 
And I was like, mm, no, betrayal feels very different for me. I didn't want to assume it was the same for everybody. So I asked my study participants and I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Every single one of them said it is so different. And it's because of that intentionality, because it feels so intentional. We take it so personally. So think about what happens. The entire self is shattered. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. They all get shattered. So it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It was like, yeah, you have to rebuild your life, but you also have to rebuild yourself. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. That is the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. That was the first discovery. Because I would agree with you. Betrayal feels very different than being diagnosed with an autoimmune condition or, you know, having to deal with illness or, you know, extraordinary catastrophe. And I think because so much of it is internal growth for you, because a lot of times if it's something that happened out here, you know, a trauma, especially an external trauma, there's a piece of it that feels like that was out of my control. It wasn't a, an unspoken rule between myself and someone else that said, hey, you know, we are in agreement here. We're in alignment. I'm not going to do anything to hurt you. And once you get the heart involved, woo, it's a whole other thing. Whole other thing. So that was the first discovery. The second one, this was so interesting too. What we learned was there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. So we've had easily over 50,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on the site to see to what extent they're struggling. What's so interesting about that is we've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have the proof when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. Because there's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 10 years ago. feels like it happened yesterday. So it's very different. Betrayal requires a very specific protocol to heal. But every couple of months, I pull the stats from the quiz just to see where people land. Would that help if I share that? Oh, please do. It would be really awkward and weird if you said no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, I want you to share because I think this is really profound. And I think people think it's like all these other external things, and they don't realize that this is holding them back in every part of their life. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. When I read these stats, this is from figure 50,000 people, men, women, every age, just about every country is represented. And these stats aren't from necessarily recent betrayals. This could be from a betrayal that happened decades ago. Okay? So 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. So think about what that's doing to your nervous system. 94% deal with painful triggers. Those triggers can take you right down. The most common physical symptoms, 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. Your adrenals have crashed. 47% have weight changes. So maybe in the beginning, you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have digestive issues. This could be anything from Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. The most common mental symptoms, 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% are unable to focus. 64% are in shock. 62% can't concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate. You're exhausted. You have a gut issue. You have to work every day. You have to raise your kids, whatever's going on. That's not even the emotional issues. Emotionally, 
88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are very angry. 82% are hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they are afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. I mean, that's just earth shattering. So if you mm-hmm. take it and you put it on as an employer, so presenteeism is one of the biggest problems. That's a person at work who's not really at work. And you look at your stats and you're like, okay, that means 80 some odd percent probably are going through this throughout the day because yep. they're constantly either being triggered because this event looked like an experience I maybe had with somebody who betrayed me or I'm anxious, like even something so simple as not trusting a coworker. It may not be anything to do with a relationship betrayal from another coworker. It could be a spouse or partner from 20 years ago. That's just mind boggling. Exactly. And here's how it shows up in, in health and work and relationships. Exactly what you said. Let's say you deserve a raise or promotion. You want to ask for it, but your confidence was shattered. So, right in the betrayal. So you don't have the confidence to ask or you know, you want to be a team player, you want to be a collaborative partner, but the person you trusted the most proved untrustworthy. How do you trust that boss, that coworker, that partner, right? In health, same thing. You know, we go to the most well-meaning, amazing doctors, coaches, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Very often at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal. We see it in relationships too. I'll see it in one of two ways. The first way is a repeat betrayal. Classic sign of an unhealed betrayal. The faces change, but it's the same thing. And people are like, what the heck? Is it me? Yes, it is. There's a profound lesson. It's not that it's your fault. It's your opportunity. There's a profound lesson needing to be learned, whether it is you are lovable, worthy, deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is. Until and unless you get that, you will have opportunities in the form of people to teach you. Or the other way is the big wall goes up. Nope, been there, done that. No one's getting near me again. We think it's coming from a place of strength. It's not. It's coming from fear. Shows up everywhere. Yeah, I think when I read your book, Harden to Heal, or Healed to Harden. All right, Harden to Heal. From Harden to Heal. Having a menopausal moment, people. (laughs) But, you know, I was reading it and I started seeing myself in that. I started seeing how I was, had been living my life for most of my 30s and 40s, you know, kind of turning off my femininity, sort of showing up in a way that sort of turned down a lot of parts of myself. Because I thought that's what I needed to exist in my corporate world at the time and then being a business owner. And then I get to about, you know, late forties and I'm like, I don't even, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Exactly. And I wrote from Harden to Healed because of the third discovery. This for me was the most exciting. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, Fully heal, meaning going from symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that whole healed, complete state of uh, healing that's post-betrayal transformation. We're going to go through five now proven predictable stages. What's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Why is that good? Healing is entirely predictable. So I map the five stages out in trust. Again, it's what our coaches are certified in. It's what we teach within the PBT Institute. 
But if you'd like, happy to go through the five stages. Please do. I think that would be fabulous. Okay. So stage one is like a setup stage. And if you imagine, if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And what I saw with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting or ignoring the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing, not really prioritizing the feeling and being. Table with only two legs, easy for that table to topple over. That's us. No, that's not to say if you're busy, you'll be betrayed. It was just the typical profile I saw. Stage two, by far, hands down, the scariest of all of the stages. And this is shock, D-Day, Discovery Day. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you've ignited the stress response. You are now headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. It prevents chaos. It governs you. Don't go there. Trust this person. These are the rules. This is how life works. And in a moment or series of moments, every rule has just been shattered. The bottom has bottomed out on you and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. It's terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of whatever you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I go? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap, though. Stage three is by far, hands down, the most common place to get stuck. And here's why. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, we're like, okay, and we plant roots here and we think it's good. Because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we don't know there's a stage four or stage five. Transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know that, we start planting roots here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know. And then four things happen. The first thing is we start getting these small self benefits from being here. We get to be right. We get our story. You know, we get someone to blame. We get a target for our anger. You know, we don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Can I trust you? Should I trust you? I forget I'm not trusting anybody. So we plant deeper roots. We're not supposed to, but we don't know. And then because we're here again, longer than we should, we're thinking things like, well, maybe it is me. Maybe I'm not that great. So we plant deeper roots. Now, because these are the thoughts we're thinking, and this is the energy we have, like energy attracts like energy. So we're calling situations and circumstances and people towards us to confirm, yep, this is where you belong. Gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anywhere else to go, right here is where we resign ourselves. We're like, this stinks. But I don't know, you know, I I better find a way to be okay with this. So right here is where we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, whatever it is to numb, avoid, and distract ourselves from what's so painful to feel our face. So think about it. You do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I'm not kidding. I can see someone 20 years out and say that emotional eating you're doing or that drinking you're doing or that numbing in front of the TV. Do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And I'm not kidding. They would look at me like I'm crazy. So that happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I can see it in my own self. You just go, I got it. I know how to make my life predictable again. Right. So I'll stay in prediction and, and then I'll go, I'll just be busy making crap happen, doing my life. And then you're like, why do I feel so unfulfilled? And why do I feel this discomfort all the time? And why do I feel that I don't have deep personal connections? It's because I've not allowed myself to do that because I stayed in that survival mode. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And, and what I found was because everyone is getting stuck in stage three, from hardened to healed is just for stage three. Just for stage three. Stage threes, I'm coming for you from hardened to healed because You've been through the worst of it already. You owe it to yourself to move through all the stages. That's stage three. If you're willing to let go of the small self benefits, grieve more than the loss, bunch of things you need to do, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo my experience, but I control what I do with it. Just in that decision, you're turning the stress response down. You're not healing just yet, but you just stopped the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. What's so interesting about stage four is if you were to move, right? Let's say you move to a new house, office, condo, apartment. If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. And what I found with stage four was if your friends weren't there for you, right here is where you've outgrown them. You don't take them with you from stage three to stage four. So people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. If your friends don't rise, they don't come. Here's where you just, you don't have the head. You don't have the patience. When you're in this stage and you're making, you're making this mentally cozy, making it okay, making it home, you move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercising. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on the road you just traveled. And you have a new worldview based on what you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. But by this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Now, tell me, how do we know if we actually have post-betrayal syndrome? What would we be looking for, for the people that might think they don't have it? Well, first of all, see where you land in any of those stages, because when I was starting about stage three, if that sounds like, ooh, that's where I am, you're probably struggling with some of the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms. And the symptoms I shared, you know, if you're just attributing a lot of these, let's say physical symptoms to just aging, you know, or stress, no, it's not, it's your unhealed betrayal. But we assume because it happened so long ago, it can't possibly be. But if that betrayal has not been healed, oh, yes, it can. This is what I love so much about post-betrayal transformation, about what someone looks like in stage five. They are a completely different person. And betrayal lends itself to creating an entirely new identity. You take the parts you love and you leave behind what no longer serves. And that happens because everything crashed and burned. The old you has an opportunity to crash and burn as well, along with the old collective. Let's say it's, you know, relational betrayal. So you and your partner, if that's the case, then there's an opportunity to, you know, to completely heal and rebuild. And here's the thing, just to close the loop on this too, healing and rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. That's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new. I'm talking from the ground up new with the person who hurt you. That's what I do with my husband. So not long ago, as two totally different people, we married each other again. New rings, 
you know, new vows, new dreams, and our four kids is our bridal party. What I see with so many people though, is they're afraid of that death and destruction of the old, but that's the only way you birth the new. And in fact, there were three groups in the study who did not heal. The first group, this was the group that was numbing, avoiding, distracting. So they ran to the doctor who put them on a mood stabilizer, anti-anxiety, you know, medication where they were drinking or just emotionally eating may have made the day a bit easier to get through. Not without a price. They didn't heal. The second group, this was the group who they had their story. They were sticking with it. That was it. Stuck in stage three. The third group, this was the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. And whether it was out of financial fear, fear of being alone, religious reasons was a big one, whatever it was. They just tried to turn the other cheek, put it you know, behind them. And I saw two things with this group. The first was a further deterioration of the relationship. Second thing was this group was the most physically sick. A broken heart can't handle that. But I get it. People are so afraid of that's it, but that's the only way you can birth the new. You know, I mean, after my betrayal, that was the deal breaker. And it was just about healing. But with betrayal, you know, you'll see betrayal will show you who someone truly is, but it also has the potential to wake them up to who they temporarily became. I think that is also a profound part of your work and a profound part of your message, because everything you just said is so true for my clients and patients and my clinic. Mm -hmm. The people that have the most health conditions, when you start talking about it, they have relationship betrayals. Often they're in a relationship that isn't working, but they feel trapped or frightened to make anything happen because what happens to my well-being or my financial livelihood, but they can't move forward. And then there's often the other person that's like, forget it. I burned everybody. I burned that bridge. That person's dead to me. You know, there's no chance it's going to come back. And sometimes like if they're abusive and other things, those walls need to be put up. But there's also a perception that if you've gone through this betrayal, that person's a betrayer. Forget it. It's over. No redemption. We're done. Right. And I think that many times that if both parties are willing to go through the work of betrayal and recovery and all those other things, it can rebirth an extraordinary relationship, but it's going to take work. Tremendous amount of work. You know, and this is the kind of thing, and we see it. We see it every single day. Is if someone is willing to do the work, it's one thing. If not, it's a totally different thing. And when it comes to reconciliation, forgiveness is about us. You know, reconciliation has so much to do with the other person. I'm going to give you an analogy. It's going to sum it up so easily. This is what I see. I look at trust like a brick wall. Every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy is one brick in that brick wall. So it takes a really long time to build. And the only way I know of a brick wall being built is brick by brick by brick. So it takes a while, right? Now, imagine in one earth shattering moment, the person who built the brick wall tears the whole thing down. You could look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. Too big of a, a mess. Totally fine. You walk away. However, the person whose trust was shattered, the betrayed person, if they're willing, that would be their only job. They're willing to watch that brick wall be rebuilt. The other person has to be a really good bricklayer. And the way it goes up is the same way it went up the first time, brick by brick, every opportunity to show their trustworthy one brick of that brick wall. But here's what I see. The person whose trust was shattered, right? There's the rubble of bricks. The other person doesn't have much of an interest in building it. So they're like, fine, I will. And they wonder why they never feel safe, why they never feel valued. It's because the other person isn't showing remorse, you know, empathy, guilt, all the things where the betrayed person says, okay, I get it. You know, there's a lot to do here, but they own it. They're taking full responsibility. 
and they want to do the work to right the wrong. So what would you tell somebody that might be in that role where the bricks are on the ground, everything is destroyed, and maybe they've been trying to cobble that together with a little bit of bubble gum (laughs) to get the bricks to stick together, Mm -hmm. but somebody on the other side really isn't participating. Yeah. Because I see that a lot too. A hundred percent. Our work within the Institute is just to get the betrayed person to their physical, mental, and emotional best. And coaching for 30 years, what I know for sure is never make a decision from a low place. So what we always do is let's get that person to their best place so they see things clearly. And usually from that place, few things happen. The other person can say, I better step up my game to meet the strength of this person, or that person just simply outgrows them. Yeah. But you can't, you can't see that from here. They have to do the work to get here and they see it clearly. Right, right. So if somebody was in survival mode, that may not be the time to decide all of these major things because no. you may look back years later and go, oh, I made a big mistake, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, many people might be thinking, well, I don't know where I am in that stage or if it's me. And, and, and again, the numbing and the avoiding. So what questions would you tell somebody to ask themselves if they're numbing, avoiding, and distracting. And this is a stage three thing. It's so common. So here are four questions, and I invite everybody to write them down. This is my way of saying write them down. So the first question would be, am I numbing, avoiding, distracting? If so, how? Call yourself on it. Do you walk into the kitchen, you're not the least bit hungry, and there you are in the cabinet. Do you walk into a room, you turn the TV on because you are desperately trying to drown out the sound of your own thoughts. Call yourself on it. The second question, what am I pretending not to see? By pretending not to see there's trouble in my relationship, my pretending not to see that health issue that needs my attention, my pretending not to see I hate my job. What am I pretending not to see? The third question, what's life going to look like in five to 10 years if I do nothing? Play it all the way out. We don't want to do this, but play it all the way out. Take that health issue, play it out, doing what you're doing. What's it going to look like in five to 10 years? That relationship issue, do nothing, play it out. Five to 10 years, what does that look like? Your job, play it out. Five to 10 years, how does it look? And the fourth question, what can life look like in five to 10 years if I change? Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Transformation begins when you tell yourself the truth. Okay, that's awesome. So everybody, you should have written those down. If not, go back, back up and write those down and ask those questions. So for somebody also kind of thinking through this, what would be the major harbinger to know that we haven't really healed from a betrayal? If you are not feeling your best, physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, if you're, if there's that nagging sense of unease, something isn't right. If you're not filled with joy, if your health is not at its best, imagine if this is a wellness meter. I see people striving for 50%. Imagine if this represents hundred and they're, they're going for 50. It's like, well, if my partner comes home at the end of the day, that's okay. If my kids aren't in trouble, that's okay. If I have a place, a job to go to, it's okay. If I can button my pants, it's okay. Like, what is that? No, no. If you've been through the worst of it already and betrayal is terrible, right? You deserve to live over here. This is living in a, a body filled with energy, you know, and health. This is relationships that propel you to be doing have more. This is the growth and expansion. You have no business striving for 50%. So if this is where you're spending your time, you haven't healed, you've hardened. That's a great visual. <laughs> and so what do we do to move forward? What do we need to do? I always recommend knowing where you are. If you've experienced a profound betrayal or even like micro betrayals or even a mindset that doesn't serve you, see what stage you're in. Because if you're hanging out in stage three 
and life is representative of stage three, you know, you're living a stage three life. Everything you know and everything you've done and all your habits and behaviors and thoughts and actions have gotten you to stage three. So it needs a very different type of belief and behavior and thought and action that's going to move you out of stage three to stage four, stage five. I'll give you another analogy. You know, I always look at it like a trapeze, right? Like someone could be hanging on for dear life at stage three, and they can even grab the bar, right? If you're the trapeze of stage four, you're not going anywhere unless you let go of one bar. And as long as we're hanging on to stage three, we're missing out on that opportunity for that new way to look at ourselves, at life, at, at everything. And, and that new opportunity to create that 2.0 version of you who is waiting to be birthed. I'm an open book on the podcast. So I've done therapy, I've done counseling. And one of the things that I've kind of found, especially knowing about your work and reading your books is that a lot of therapy, different modalities and things might actually keep somebody in that stage three world. And so I think it's really important that somebody that's identified that they've got some issues with betrayal, maybe they're stuck in that stage three, that they probably find somebody that has been trained in your work. Because I know a lot of times they're kind of, you're in there on the couch talking about it. You're kind of in deep with all the pain and suffering and, mm -hmm. and then your cognitive thoughts around it and what you're doing. So we stay in that mental and physical and don't really get into the emotional and the four and stage four and five. Yeah. I mean, would yeah. you agree? Uh, not only do I agree, but we have our certified coaches and practitioners who each specialize in different areas that all need healing within the Institute. And we have someone who's completing their certification. Their specialty is going to be therapy trauma. That's how common it is. And exactly to your point, and I'm a psychologist, but I'm a coach first. If that therapist isn't highly skilled in moving someone forward through betrayal, it, you know, it, they're keeping that they could be keeping them stuck. And what's the point of that? I want to hear someone's story so I know what we can do with it. It's one thing to ruminate. We make sense out of it. We make meaning out of it. There's another thing to marinate. And here's where we're just going over it and over it and over it, coming out of it no better than the last thousand times we did that. That's not fair to you. And I also found this with certain groups too. It's like the ain't it awful club, you know, you share your experience. And then instead of like, Hey, what about this? What about that? It's like, Oh, you think that's bad. Well, this happened to me. <laughs> this happened to me. And when you heal, you, you almost don't belong. I did the research. I know what works. We clearly see what doesn't work. And the 50,000 plus people who've taken the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, they've shared with us, you know, what's helped them and what hasn't. So we know if you're numbing, avoiding, distracting, it's not going to help. We know the wrong type of support does more harm than good. So it's like, there's no reason to include those things in your healing plan. Yeah. It's kind of like a, somebody that may be going through marriage issues, going to an individual counselor, but not going to a marriage counselor. It's like, that's going to make a, a further guff between what really needs to happen, which I think is so very important. And I agree with you. There is therapy trauma, unfortunately. We see this all the time. I mean, let's say just a typical example, we'll see. Let's say it's a, a narcissist and a, you know, someone who's been betrayed, let's say husband and wife, and the husband is a narcissist and he betrayed and he's like a total gaslighter. I mean, it's like classic, classic, right? She manages to drag him to couples counseling. Now he could be very charming and that counselor isn't very skilled in this and the crocodile tears come and all of this. And this counselor can look at the person who's been betrayed and say, you just need to communicate better. And the person who's been betrayed is like, what? Already 
this person is feeling like, what the heck, what did I do? Was I not enough? What, what wasn't I? And now hearing this, no, that's totally wrong. I think the certification you have and the work you're doing with the Institute is so, so needed. So, so needed. Because I think even the emotional traumas that we sort of experience that we sort of put into this other box all come from these micro betrayals that we've had over our lifetime that we made, you know, our way of being wrapped around to sort of protect ourselves from. And that if we get to this underlying situation and sort of clean it up and fix it and repair it, then we're able to handle these other traumas in a different way. The best part of it is you can heal from all of it, all of it. And the version, that stage five version, that's when you're ready for that new relationship, that new level of health that we've seen new businesses get birthed. I mean, the PBT Institute never would have happened had I not experienced my betrayal. But when you clean all that up, that's when the downloads come and opportunities you never would have had access to. So if you don't do something good with it, it's like a bad game of hot potato. You know, you owe it to yourself to do something really good with that trauma. Then it's trauma well served. That's awesome. Debbie, it has been so awesome to talk to you. And I know that you have a quiz that you want to share with all the listeners so you can figure out what's going on. Would you share that? You know, I would say to find out exactly what stage you're in, take the healed or hardened quiz. You can just find that at healed or hardened quiz.com. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with my listeners? Yes. And I would say this, I understand how painful it is. I've been through it. It is a pain like no other. I mean, all traumas stink. It's not to rate traumas. They all stink. But if you have to say this a million times to yourself, it's worth it. Ready? Even though it happened to you, it's not about you. And if you embrace that one idea, it really sets the tone for healing. That's an awesome message. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you. I look forward to the next time we can spend some time together in person. (laughs) For sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. That's it for this Functional Life. Thank you for listening. Have a healthy and happy day. Thank you so much for tuning into this Functional Life. You are why I'm here and I am so very grateful. You're here for a reason. I celebrate your commitment to claiming your youthful energy and stepping into this next phase of life, feeling vibrant, healthy, and powerful. I am so proud of you. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD. And if you want a chance to share your story with our tribe or find out more about working with my team, you can sign up at chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. Again, that's chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. See you next week. Bye-bye.